Welcome to the Everybody's an Expert podcast. I'm your co-host, the super statistician, the master of stats, Mr. Matt Robb. And I'm here today with uh, another one of our co-hosts, an expert, mostly in the NBA field, but I think he can do it. I think he can do it all. Uh, Antoine Bogart, how you feeling today? Oh, I'm all right, man. Let's get this started. So let me get right into this. I have a 750 winning percentage against Antoine in NBA 2K over the last 10 years. <laughs> Do you refute that? Video video games were not my strong suit. Is that a, is that a stat drop of the day? No comment. Video games weren't my strong suit growing up. Growing up in a Haitian household. We but you challenged me anyway. You said what? You challenged me every day, though. <laughs> what, was, what was it? Yo, you a, get your ass bust? I'm a competitor. All right. I like it. I like it. So we just <laughs> wrapped up. Right now it's Thursday, April 11th. Uh, we just wrapped up a great NBA season. I'm not going to lie to you, though. I didn't watch much of the NBA season this year. Not, not like other years. I wasn't locked in. Uh, I just felt like, I mean, kind of feeling like the NBA, the game, the style of play, it's just a little bit, uh, maybe too fast. Kind of a, Tuan thinks that there's the most skill right now in the league in history. And I don't refute that. You know, I think that's, I think there's a lot of skill. I like a lot of skilled guys, but most of these kids are young, man. I like, I like, you know, I, I like when, when grown men play the game. I like it physical, and that's not the guy's fault because the NBA rules of today kind of make it that way. But, you know, I, I, I'm more of a low post, you know, figuring out angles and things like that. What do you feel about that, Tuan? Well, the thing about that is the bigs in today's game have really evolutionized the game, and that's where I see it most. Now you have bigs that can shoot from – 30 feet like KP, Kristaps Porzingis. You got Giannis as a point guard playing the center position. Carl Anthony Towns is defending the wing. The What I see is the versatility has changed the game. And to me, there's no way you can match how it was before with how it is now. I get your point, but uh, you know, maybe I'm a little old school. Maybe I'm a maybe I'm a little bit of a big guy. I think to be down low, little guys need to be on the wings, and you know, let, let's let's punch each other in the mouth for forty eight. But if it's it's like, if you're not taking pain medicine every single night and getting kidney cancer, then it's like the NBA is not enjoyable for you. Yeah, that's not what I'm saying. Now you're putting words in my mouth. Now you're making me the bad guy. But that's what the old school mentality is. Everybody's like, oh, you can't hand check. But the game has evolutionized so much that defenses have evolved. The players have evolved with their athleticism. The game is so much more fun. There's more spacing. There's more ball movement. There's not as much isolation basketball. So let me ask you a question. It's way better than it was before. Do you think that there's uh, too much outside shooting in the game? No. I think the game is just, it's created, it's, the plays are made to shoot threes. 
and just I don't know, I just it's just kind of a, not an, an enjoyable thing for me as much as it used to be. I love the college game, but uh, you know, the NBA has just kind of been a little bit off to me. But speaking of the NBA, and we'll stay on topic for the for the rest of this episode, we're going to get into some NBA honors. Uh, the MVP, the Defensive Player of the Year, the you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I, right now, I, I mean, it's a it's a rat race. It's it's Giannis Antetokounmpo. I say I think I said it right, and uh, it's it's the beard, James Harden. And uh, I, you know, it's the battle of you know, it's Harden scoring at an elite level and basically being everything for his team versus Giannis, who's kind of been this best player on the best team in the league this year, record-wise. Uh, Tuan, who do you have in MVP and why? Honestly, I've been going back and forth with this a lot, but um, I think that I'm going to rock with the beer, James Harden. And I do speak – first of all, I was one of the first people on – Giannis Antetokounmpo. Yes, you were. I can co-sign that. Him being a top player in the NBA. But what Harden does for his team. Now, Giannis dominates every statistical category possible in the NBA right now. Right. But James Harden is averaging over, like, 10 more points than Giannis. Not over, but he's close to averaging 10 more points. And he's still averaging 500. I mean, he's had over 500 rebounds and over 500 assists all year. And the only player that's ever done that is Michael Jeffrey Jordan. I think this has definitely been an historic season, um, stats-wise, for James Harden. And honestly... And I remember going back to the beginning of the season, the Rockets were not very good. It took James Harden to really just go off for them to get back into the playoff race and for them to be a dominant team again in the Western Conference because it wasn't like that in the beginning, especially when CP3 went out. He had to really put the team on his back. And I think that's kind of, you know, it's this, this, rat, this MVP race reminds me of um, 2007, with uh, when it was Kobe Bryant who basically put the entire L.A. Laker team on his back because he had Kwame Brown and Smush Parker, et cetera. Uh, which he should have won that year. But, she, yeah, yeah. but the, you know, the MVP went to Steve Nash, who's kind of in this Giannis role where he's controlling the entire team, the, the tempo of the team, uh, the pace. So, and Steve Nash won that MVP. So are the voters going to get it right? Um. Or are they going to go, you know, another way? Well, Giannis is putting up Shaq numbers with assists and a better free throw shooting percentage. So, honestly, I wouldn't be mad at either of them winning the MVP. They both deserve it. But if I had to choose, I would go with James Harden because he's been the most valuable player on that team, and he's had to go through more adversity than Giannis has this season. I think I'm going to go Giannis. Uh, I, I think I'm going to go Giannis. I don't. I don't. I think that you know, what Giannis is doing this year has been absolutely incredible. Now, 
speaking of incredible, the, these there have been two rookies this year. Oh, wait one second though. Okay, here we now, go. I, I have a I have a bone to pick with this most valuable player award because um Damian Lillard just repeatedly gets like disrespected. Disrespected every single year, whether it be all star, whether it be not selected as a most valuable player. Like I, I obviously he's not gonna win, but he's not even a candidate. And I I think that that's crazy. I think it's a disservice to everyone in the Pacific Northwest of this country. Yeah, because right now, nobody, not even me, I won't even say that I predicted this because I did not. But Portland had no chance of making the playoffs this year. Nobody had Portland making the playoffs this year because they lost so much and they had all these players returning that nobody believed in. I think everyone went by that sweep last year from the Pelicans. That's all Portland's done. They're deflated. They're flustered. It's over for them. I didn't lose faith in Portland. Uh, I think that Damian Lillard is a, is one of the best point guards in the league. And Easy. I, and, I, and, and, and being from mid-majors, chip on his shoulder, being in the Pacific Northwest where people, the exposure isn't like other players. He's got that ultimate chip, and and you know I definitely think I definitely thought that the Portland Trailblazers were going to be a force this year. Still, they were a three seed last year. You just don't lose that that much in in a year. So, uh, Damian Lillard definitely in the MVP conversation. I think he'd be uh, he'd be third on that list. But uh, again, you know, going back, Ooh, you got him three. Yeah, I do. I like that. I do. I, I do, like I especially like late. This, you know, they've been on a run in the last twenty years. It's been incredible. Uh, but again, speaking of incredible, two dynamic rookies, two guys that that burst onto the league and are doing major things. Uh, Luka Doncic from the Dallas Mavericks, Trey Young from the Atlanta Hawks. For about the first three quarters of the season, it felt like Luca had this this rookie of the year race in hand and and done up and that was it. But then Trey, Trey got comfortable. Trey got comfortable and Trey got used to the pace of the game and this kid is unreal. Unreal. And you know what's funny? I was so happy when he got drafted to, well, when he got when the trade happened with Trey, because at the end of the day, he needed to get drafted to a team that was going to allow him to make mistakes, allow him to grow, and allow him to really push to see what limitations he has. And if he was going to get drafted to a team where there was any type of leash, I guarantee you he would have failed. And he wouldn't be the player he is right now. System is a big thing. Yeah, circumstances is huge. The kid's got the green light to create. Artists got to create. And Trey Young is, is, is out there with a blank canvas and athletes around him. The Young Hawks are exciting. Yes, I agree. But Luka Doncic is extremely exciting. 
and he is about to get a seven foot three unicorn. <laughs> unicorn. I think the future is brighter for the uh, for the Mavs at this point. I think the Hawks are exciting. They got to learn how to win. Uh, they both have to learn how to win. But Luca has this. I think he has this. Uh, he's got. He's special, man. He's special. Uh, I'm gonna still stick with Luka Doncic, Rookie of the Year, uh, with Trey Young being a really, really close second. Yeah, I mean the reason why I give Luka the edge is because he did it consistently for a longer period of time, and that's the only reason why. Because what Trey was doing for the month of February, where he was just dropping bombs, what he did in the month of February, uh, definitely put him in the conversation. But Luca had started doing it since the season started. So I'm definitely rocking with Luca for rookie of the year, but they both deserve it. They're both tards. Here's the, here's the biggest I think you know what's funny? Everybody was saying that Atlanta was stupid for making that trade and Dallas definitely won the trade. But now I really feel like they both won. Yeah. And really won't be able to determine who's got the better end of that deal until three, four years from now. They both got cornerstone guys for the franchise over the next decade, I'd say. Barring injury. For sure. We got some other, uh, we got some other awards to talk about. And I think these awards um, have more candidates, more people to talk about. Uh, Defensive player of the year is, is it's a, it's odd because, you know, some people value different things as far as defenders go. Uh, Rudy Gobert is the defending champion. He's definitely in the mix. Uh, Paul George has played out of, outside of his mind for most of the year, uh, especially in the defensive end. And, uh, and then you also have to give some, some, you know, some consideration to the Greek freak. Could, could Giannis win defensive player of the year and MVP in the same year? He wouldn't, he would not, he definitely would deserve it. He deserves both, honestly, but I'm still going to give it to Gobert because Gobert anchors that defense and they're still one of the top defensive teams in the NBA. And it's all started from Gobert. He changes games with his defense. And you can't say that about most guys, even good defenders. He changes the way you play the Utah Jazz. And for that, I have to agree. I'm going to go Rudy Gobert. Um, I think what a, what a great year for Paul George, though. Yeah. I mean, this has been – before this shoulder injury, before Paul George got injured, this was easily – his best season of his career. Easily. The shoulder injury, he regressed a little bit. But before that shoulder injury, he was top three in MVP voting. Oh, yeah. He was definitely in that conversation. And at one point, you could you could have given him the nod. But Paul George is doing, carrying that team because Russ did not play well. He definitely didn't shoot. He didn't shot well all year. Uh, yeah, it's not that he wasn't playing well. He wasn't shooting the ball well. I mean, when he's still chucking up a lot of shots, you have to kind of 
you gotta she's not playing well at that point. I mean, but that's Russ's game though. His game is putting on pressure and making sure that he always puts on pressure, no matter what the circumstances are. So you know Russ is gonna shoot. Russ is always gonna shoot. Russ is never gonna stop shooting. That's, that's the dog in him. That's fair enough. You know my feelings on Russell Westwood. Yeah, that's the dog in him. He's never going to stop shooting. That's another conversation for another day. I'm going to move on. Who do you got, Coach of the Year? A lot of guys could win this award. Man, okay. So, based on wins and losses, it's got to be Coach Bud. But For the Milwaukee Bucks. Yes, for the Milwaukee Bucks, I'm going with Coach Bud because he took the team. And they won 60. Can you pronounce his name? Excuse me? Can you pronounce his name? Yeah, Mike Budenholzer. Ah, good job. There you go. Spurs guy. But, um, yeah, I got to go to Coach Bud because he took Jason Kidd's disaster and made it into something special. Let's start disrespecting Hall of Famers on this show. I will definitely disrespect Hall of Famers. (laughs) And I'm not disrespecting Jason Kidd as a player. I'm disrespecting Jason Kidd as a coach, and he was terrible. And uh, Coach Bud, but we already knew what was going to happen when Coach Bud came through. We knew that Milwaukee was going to be a top three team. I didn't anticipate them being number one, but I definitely believe that they would be top three. And it's because of Coach Bud and it's because of Giannis. And they built, they constructed the team perfect to fit what Coach Bud likes to do, which is move the ball around. And they constructed a team that fit perfectly with Giannis, which is they surrounded him with shooters with the signing of Brooke Lopez. So now he had a five that can space the floor. So now he had, they traded away. They sent away Jabari Parker. They signed Ilya Sova. So all they had was shooters surrounding Giannis. So Giannis had nothing but space to do what he does. But, my dark horse is Doc Rivers. Now, I would love for Doc Rivers to win the award because of what he did with the Clippers. He showed that he was a top coach in the NBA again because I think people forgot, especially when he was uh, president of basketball operations for the Clippers. He had to do both. It's too much. Yeah, he couldn't really concentrate on what he was good at. But once Lawrence Frank took over, Jerry West came through, they traded Blake Griffin, they traded Tobias Harris when he was having a fantastic season and still was able to get the team to make the playoffs. That was impressive coaching. And honestly, there's not too many basketball fans that can name their top, uh, their starting five. Yeah. They had the rookie point guard, uh, Shy Georges Alexander, Lou Williams came off the bench. They have the sixth man, sixth slash seventh man of the years in Lou Williams and Montrez Harrell. Uh, Gallinari played well. They took Zubat from the Lakers, but he's trash. But I mean, he filled the role. Was this is this Doc Rivers' best coaching? Uh... I would have to say this is probably his best coaching that he's done since being in the NBA because of the players that he had. I mean, with the Celtics, he had three Hall of Famers, so he did what he was supposed to do with them. But... I'm going to throw a curveball in there. 
a guy that's not getting a lot of credit and a guy that definitely deserves some consideration, Nate McMillan. Is who? Nate McMillan. Another one. You lose your best player. Yep. Early in the year, and you maintain, I mean, up until, you know, they're a fifth seed now, but they were a top four seed basically all year long. True. Miles Turner's another guy that could be in consideration for defensive player of the year. Yeah. Nate McMillan's done an excellent job in Indiana. I agree. Is that culture? Clifford. Nate McMillan's been been really good everywhere he's gone. Well, I mean, you can talk about that with a bunch of teams that have overachieved, right? Because Steve best player. Steve Clifford Orlando was out of it too. And he was able to get them back in the playoffs since 2012. They haven't been in the playoffs since 2012, Orlando. That's seven years. Should we change the since this is a regular season award? Uh, should we change the 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 name of the coach of the year award to the the Greg Popovich award? Because Greg Popovich to me is in the conversation for coach of the year. I disagree. <laughs> Maybe I'm being a homer. I think that's exactly what it is. Maybe I'm, but I, I mean, think- Greg Popovich should win it every year because he's the greatest coach of all time. But this year. I mean, I guess they did. I guess people really did sleep on the Spurs. I didn't sleep on the Spurs. I had the Spurs winning 50 games. They well, just died. They won 48. So that's did, another one of those years. So, all right. That's close. I mean, yeah. I mean, every year he wins, you know. I was ready to, I was ready to put money up on Vegas. That was my lock. Spurs yeah. won 50. I'm never well, betting against Pop to win 50 games. I don't care if they got George Hill. As good as good as you are making picks preseason. And I'd say you're pretty good. I don't like to say, I don't like to give you much credit, but I'm gonna say you're pretty good. The, the one the one award that no one can ever really get because it's such a it's such a you know a weird award to predict this most improved player. Yes. You think you, you know you think you think a guy's gonna be good, but maybe he's not. Uh, here's a name that no one thought would be in this conversation. He's, and he might win it. Is Pascal Siakam. Yes. From the Toronto Raptors. Now, you're high on the guy. Uh, you think that Pascal's going to be, I mean, upper echelon. Star. Yes. Wow. Star. For sure. For sure. Star. I won't throw the superstar thing out there. You're quick to do that. I will not call him a superstar, but he will have Al Horford impact where he impacts winning so much that the everyday fan probably won't really see it. But what he does in terms of his versatility, his defensive versatility, passing, his three-point shot, he's hitting now at a over 35% clip. He plays within the system. Like, this guy's the real deal. He's the real deal. Like, remember when everybody was fiending for Anthony Davis? I think Toronto has the best package to send to New Orleans, New Orleans with Pascal Siakam as the core. Because you go with Jason Tatum, Jason Tatum's all offense. So Pascal has the offense and the defense. You go with... Brandon Ingram, he's not there offensively yet. Pascal has showed 
that he can carry a team when Kawhi sits. When Kawhi sits, Pascal goes nuts. So I do think that Pascal deserves it. Another name out that, that's thrown out there is D'Angelo Russell. Now, I, I was really high on Pascal, and I was really against D'Lo. But when I actually listened to, like, ex-players talk about D'Angelo Russell, it made me think a little deeper about it, about the mental aspects of the game that D'Lo had to do, become uh, the star player of the team. Here's my beef about that kind of pick. It is D'Angelo Russell was a number two pick in the draft. I think at some point you, you want to grow and mature to be what he's almost expected to be this good. This is why you're drafted number two. Maybe it's not, maybe that's not fair, but you know, life's not fair. I like a, a guy like Siakam would get my nod, would, would, would get the nod from me just because he's a guy that pretty much from obscurity from, from nowhere. And he just burst onto the scene. Yeah. A guy he, like, he a guy to like, me, he improved the most. Like he, he was coming off the bench last season, and it wasn't an opportunity. It he, was that he he, was, he, was, he wasn't sure. as good. <laughs> like he got yeah. better, and he got a lot better. So I'm going to go Siakam. You could make it. Uh, you could have made the again. I've been high on Paul George all year. How, yeah, Paul, yeah. George, Paul George. Paul George definitely. But I think he regressed a little bit. That took that took me off Paul George a little bit. But he definitely deserved it. But you usually don't give players that were elite before, right? Even though they go into another elite level, you don't give those kind of players. That's why, that's why it's a weird award to predict. Yeah, it's the scrub. It's not even the scrub. It's it's usually the player that just gets more opportunity. It's not even like the player that's a scrub that becomes good. We don't give that player the award either. I think this year probably will be the first time. It's usually just the player that an opportunity, they take advantage of it, and that's the award. That's the person that gets the award. Here's an award that not many people are high on. Don't Most people couldn't tell you who's won the award, but you are a big proponent for this, uh, the executive of the year. And I think that it's – we're going to spend some time on it today. Uh, because I have a beef with that award also. You don't want to hit six man first? Who's six man? Lou Williams again? I mean, yeah. <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> you think that... Oh, Sabonis. Sabonis is good, too. Who's, who's your executive of the year now? That's a tough one. I mean, you know, I'm always rocking with my African uh, Messiah jury. I just think that he's a phenomenal. Uh, trade was the right trade to, to make. Yeah, hundred percent. You got Kawhi Leonard for a hood special. If Kawhi leaves, then if Kawhi leaves, then guess what? Now he has Siakam to take over the we're team. Gonna, we're gonna get a. Uh, we're gonna get some uh, a, a, an expert in here to say, is it Siakam? Siakam? What is it? I, honestly, I'm, I'm gonna call it. I think you're right, Siakam. Yes, Pascal Siakam. Good with Antetokounmpo, and you're really good with Budenhosen. But I think yeah. I think you missed the mark on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right, Siakam. You're 100 percent right. I'm going Sean Marks from from the Brooklyn Nets, and here's why. I think Executive of the Year award needs to be an accumulation of years that you've put into 
building this, whatever you're making, whatever you're creating. Well, then you can't call it executive of the year. Well, I'm gonna, then we'll change the award. What are you changing the award name to? Because if that's the case, it's who made the best moves that season. And the person that made the best moves that season was Masai Ujiri. Sean Marks has hadn't had, hasn't had a draft. He didn't, he didn't make any round draft pick. Well, a lottery pick in years, and they've been terrible for as long as he's been there. What he's done with what he's been getting is phenomenal. And I'm giving the award to Sean Marks. All right, but you, you, you can't just say his moves have been phenomenal. What moves did he make that were so phenomenal this year? I mean, I can tell you, I believe trading Brooke, Lo- trading Brooke Lopez, you got rid of an expiring contract, you got D'Lo for the Hood special, right. rookie contract. Absolutely. Then you have, he was able to get, he bought a draft pick to get Karis LeVert first round, which was phenomenal. He found Jarrett Allen second round. Which was crazy because he seems to be a key piece. Um, and, and not to mention, this is you're in Brooklyn right now. You see them all the time. They're a good team, and they're yeah, a team of guys. They played the right way. He hired Kenny Atkinson that no one knows about. Kenny Atkinson, great, great piece. I'm gonna, I'm gonna next the Jared next show, Dudley. Next show, I'm gonna rename the, the the award. I can't think of one right now, but this is this is our show. We're gonna do what we want. Here. I agree with you though. I agree with you about Sean Marks. It's just when in terms of the executive of the year, we have to go with whoever made the best moves that season. Now we can go with Messiah Jury. We can go with who else made a big splash. Elton Brand. Who? Elton Brand from the Sixers. Ah, no. You see, I disagree with that. Yeah. I don't think that he made the right moves for that franchise. I for the, disagree with his moves. That's a good, strong core for the future. Nah, I, I disagree because I, I think that the way you get Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid to fit and play together is by surrounding both of them with shooters. I feel like the Sixers were a better team last year than they were this year. If you put Ben Simmons on Milwaukee, swap Ben Simmons and Anatecupo out, you got Ben Simmons All-NBA first team. I honestly believe that because his skill set, he strives with spacing, especially because he can't shoot. So whenever you have a player with that court vision and that ability to get anywhere on the court, you always have to surround them with shooters, and I don't think Elton Brand's done a good job of doing that. Oh, well, still a work in progress. He got the pieces. He got the core pieces. And if he can get, if he can get Jimmy Butler to stay, then that's major moving forward. And I think they'll build around that. I think the, I think the Sixers, you know, are a team to be, you know, at the top of the Eastern Conference for years. Let's move on. Um, let's move on to, to this, this summer. Uh, the NBA draft lottery is going to be coming up here pretty soon. Uh, and it's basically the Zion Williamson sweepstakes. The, the Knicks, the Suns, and the Cavs have the three um, best chances of getting Zion Williamson number one. Who do you got winning the lottery? And where would Zion be would fit the, the best? Well, I have the Knicks winning the lottery, but I feel like Zion 
I need Zion to end up on the Hawks with <laughs> Young. I need that to happen. That would be the most I think that would be the best fit for him. I need that to happen because now you have Trigger Trey shooting from thirty. You have Zion being a secondary playmaker with him. And like all it, it just all fits together. You have a young core there with John Collins being the big athletic big. Zion is a what is Zion in the in the he's a superior I mean he really just has to watch Draymond Green tape. Honestly, this is what I project from Zion. If he can become Blake Griffin offensively and Draymond Green defensively, that's an all NBA player every single year. Is he gonna be a better basketball player for his franchise or a more valuable player for his franchise in terms of the business of the, the basketball. It depends where he goes. If he goes to the Knicks, it'll be value. If he goes to the Hawks, it'll be both. Is there any chance that Zion Williamson's a bust? I don't see Zion Williamson being a bust, no. It depends on Motor's what, too high. it depends on his commitment to defense, honestly. Motor's too high. Have you seen his motor? He's yeah, a it will all be dependent on his commitment to defense. He's really committed defensively, then who's the second best player in this draft? John Morant. RJ Barrett? No, John Morant. Who is he in the league? Is he a Damian Willard type? I you know what? Or is he John Wall who's gonna struggle with his not, jumper? Uh, he's not John Wall. He's assertive, though. He's assertive and he's aggressive. But honestly, it's going to come down to where he ends up, in my opinion. What's the worst worst spot? The Knicks? If he ends up on Chicago, he's going to be terrible. I think the Suns is the perfect fit for him. Is that Morant? I do. Morant or Morant? That's another one. (laughs) We're gonna get we're gonna get some speech expert here next show, and they're gonna break it down for us. I, we, we struggled today, I think. Yeah. It's been a great show. Uh, it's been a great show. I mean, this is your oh, first. I enjoyed one. this. I enjoyed this. this. Yeah, you got your feet wet. How do you feel about it? I mean, I, I can cont- I can continue this. I'm not ready to, you know, do my own show, but I can build yeah. off this. I can definitely build off this. We're going to leave you with this. We're going to have a lock of the day. And I know you don't like it. You don't want it. But we're going to do it. And it's like going to be a, a, a – I'm going to ask you a question. You're going to tell me yes or no. No. Is it <laughs> – huh? all right. We'll rephrase it then. Is it Golden State versus the field this year? Is it Golden State's title – well, it is. They're the defending champion, two-time champion, three out of four. Are they going to do four out of five? I mean, I, I think they will, but – I'm really happy with where Houston ended up in the fourth seed. Yeah, they they played Utah. It's going to be because Utah series. I like I like the fact that if Houston gets past Utah, they play Golden State earlier than later, especially with Chris Paul's injury history. I think that as long as they can get Chris Paul and James Harden healthy, they have a shot. Because I feel like D'Antoni will know how to expose Boogie in the playoffs. 
where Golden State won't be able to use him. So I'm really interested to see how that plays out. If Chris Paul can stay healthy, because honestly, Houston Rockets would have defeated the Warriors last year. We don't know that. Chris Paul didn't get hurt. We don't know that. I won. You, we don't know that. I, I, I was ready to put the bank on the Houston Rockets in game seven against the Golden State Warriors if Chris Paul played. If, if Golden State gets knocked out by Houston, who wins the NBA Finals? And we'll leave it at that. Houston. Houston wins. Houston is the, the perennial favorite behind Golden State. In my opinion, yeah. That's how you leave, that's how you leave off a show. Yeah, I got Houston. But Golden State Warriors will win the NBA championship. But I feel like the Houston Rockets. Oh, dark horse. Boston Celtics. Yeah, they got to learn how to win away from home. Yeah, Boston Celtics, I feel like they have the versatility to beat Golden State. If everyone is healthy, if everyone comes back healthy, I feel like the Boston Celtics are the dark horse to win the NBA championship. Do I think they will win the NBA championship? No. But they you're, just, you're just throwing it out have, there just in case they win. And you say, oh, oh, yep. I they, called it. The, they have the versatility. You, I mean, I still have the Celtics going. You're to an the opportunist. That that was that was an opportunistic move. I still have the Celtics it's because if you don't have Celtics winning, but if they do win, you have the you have it on wax that oh, I called it. And with that, thank you for listening to another episode of Everybody's an Expert Podcast with uh, your host, the Super Statistician Matt Rob and Mr. Antoine Bogart. Signing off. It's been fun. <laughs>